Boys. Big dog. It's on How your time. It's Dan's world. Hey, listen. It's the one time. It's the one time where I've asked for a favor from you. One time. Hey, Terry, can I ask you something? <laughs> yeah. How are you, by the way? I'm great, mate. <laughs> now, would you get frustrated if someone listen, I'm gonna how's this for a comment? Someone that you care about right, and you want to obviously make them better as a person, would you get angry if they just always got this one thing wrong? Would you get frustrated? If I was telling them that they were doing it wrong and they kept doing it, then yeah. uh, I probably would. Yeah. How hard is it, Joe, to send the e- to send the link to my email no. every week, no. Terry? I have to write in the group, send it to my email. I don't know my Facebook password. Sorry, bloke. Get with the fucking twenty first century. Seriously, you are you are as dinosaur as it gets for a twenty nine year old. Like, what's you wrong have, with you, man? You have one. You have one role as director. Oh, now he wants to acknowledge I'm leading this podcast. Hey, now, that. Yeah, it's, it's on your it's, terms. It's funny, Dan, because before you came on, like it was like the first thing Joe said. Now it makes sense why he said it. He's like, "Oh, sorry about Dan. This and that." <laughs> Welcome, everyone. To episode 34 of the Almost Blues Brothers podcast, uh, Sam Philp episode. I think I've got that right. 34. That's current current on the list. Uh, look, we've got uh, as I'm as I'm going to be joined by all off season. I've got Dan here with me as usual. Unfortunately, how are you, Bella? Unfortunately, what's that for an intro? Uh, I'm just I don't know, I'm sick of seeing your face every week at this point. Here, but you have a smile on your face. How's that work? <laughs> You just give me bad tips on the horses and it gets me in a hole on a Saturday. Or you give me no tips. I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, I was actually gonna say I was actually gonna say I'm actually really good because I look forward to this part of my week every week. That's nice. I, I wish I wish I felt the same. Uh in the third chair today, I know we've got a rotating chair this offseason. Nah, Dan, come on, relax. We've got a rotating chair this offseason. I'm I am glad to see you. I just I'm just trying to set the tone a little bit here. We've got the boss on the line today, so I want him to know who the fucking top dog of this podcast is. I don't want him coming in going, oh, Dan's taking over. Joe, what are you doing? No. Yeah. In the third chair. The top dog's going to say workplace bullying. That's what he's going to be saying. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Terry Nagani joining us today for episode 34, mate. How are you? It's great to have you back. Boys, boys, boys. What an honour. It's like I've been invited on podcasts before, but I'd never get a second invite. So I guess you guys like what I have to say. How's this? We, we had no one else. <laughs> Thanks, boys. There's about 10 people before we asked you. I'm just here riding the bench waiting for my turn. If I get 15 seconds, so be it. It's all about playing a role, you know? <laughs> No, 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 no. You, you first came off the rank. You know you are. Um, how have you been, mate? How's uh, how's the year been? It was a big year for Blue Abroad. Yeah, it was a big year for Blue Abroad. Um, finally had a chance to just breathe a bit. The week to week gets you. you. You know, you look forward to it in the preseason, and then like games come around, and then your life changes because the the routine happens, and then you get used to the routine, and then in our case, you don't want to do the routine anymore because we're shit. Um, and you're just hanging on, and then the footy ends, and then you realise how much you miss it. Uh, but it's good. Yeah, it's good. Very much needed breather, though. 
Yeah, no, you're right about the breather. It was a roller coaster of not. It was just a, it was a new roller coaster every week, but it was the same emotions. It was just I don't know. Uh, I don't know how we got through in the end as supporters this year because it was genuinely felt like breaking point for me about four times. I reckon this year there was the North game, the Gold Coast game, the Port game, but then first off was obviously that Collingwood game in round two where I was just like, I can't do this. I cannot fucking do this. As you asked me about a tipping point. I reckon I hit that tipping point about five times this season. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, Joe literally brought me back from the, the de- like the death. I was done. We were sitting next to each other. I was what? Well, we were winning the game. I think it was Gold Coast. Is it Gold Coast? It was no, a game it was at Adelaide. 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 That's right. Dan was there. Dan was there that day. Yeah, we we're there together. Yeah. yeah. I was done. We finished. Yes, and I yeah, and I'm I've gone through the fixture. We're going to be twelve and ten. Anyway, and, and did I not say how many times did I say when we're eight and fourteen? Don't come back to me and say that I took you on this emotional roller coaster. You got to buy in yourself. We genuinely finished eight and fourteen. I said that as a joke, by the way. I didn't think we'd actually finish eight and fourteen. What about what about the game, boys? How we'd beaten Adelaide and I've yelled out finals footy. Here we come, and everyone's looking like this guy's nuts. <laughs> Oh, the trials and tribulations. Um, look, thank you, everyone, all the listeners, for tuning in, even in the off-season. Dan, you were worried that we'd have our listeners drop off. It's as strong as ever, mate. They obviously like to hear your voice each week. Oh, buzzing, like, to, to see people still listening to what we have to say. Um, very humbling, I think, Joe, hey? Don't say that. Tell us what you really feel. I keep listening to us because it makes us feel good. We're the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you very much. Yes, Tess. You guys, well, you might do this because you uh, you enjoy your success, and so you should. But I really do think you guys should should bask in it because uh, there was no almost Blues Brothers, and now there is an almost Blues Brothers, and you got to that point where I'm sure listeners, or I'm I'm definitely like this. It's like, what did we do before almost Blues Brothers? And that's a oh, and that's wow. a feat. That's a feat. I got goosebumps all over my body from that, Terry. I feel like breaking something. <laughs> Don't do that, Terry. He doesn't need that. He really doesn't need that. No, we appreciate we appreciate that, mate. They're very kind words. Uh, it's been a good year. It's been good, but we're not uh, not stopping. And it is good to see the listeners still jumping on board. If you haven't followed us, you can follow us at Almost Blues Brothers on Instagram. I am getting the Twitter and the Facebook up and running. It's taken a little bit of time, but uh, we'll get there. They've been asking for it, Dan. So it's coming in the next next couple of weeks. So keep your eyes peeled. One thing I want to say for our listeners, ask us heaps of questions or topics that you want us to cover. Like in this off-season is the time for, I think, our listeners to have more of a say in what they want us to, to sort of cover because it, it's good for us in terms of content as well. It's a good it's a good point. And keep an eye out for some more polls on our stories and whatnot to, to get your thoughts in the lead-up to an episode because Dan's right. With as much content as we have, uh, it is a good time to to get some other ideas and best ideas obviously come from your listener base. So, um, yes, definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, Dan, we've we've got 900 followers on Instagram today. Bella? More than my personal one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, more, that's more people than you've ever met in your life. <laughs> double my personal one. How's that? <laughs> in one year. Uh, it's nice. It is nice. It's uh, it's good to see. So keep following, keep listening. We're going all the way up until draft day slash night. We'll have about a six to eight week off season for us then and then uh, straight back into it. So, yep. boys, just going to preview the show. 
as uh, as we did last week, we've got a final series, and Wowie uh, genuinely one of the best games I think I've ever seen in my life in that Dogs and Lions game. So we're going to break down those games. Pod predicts within that. You're going to update us on the multi, which was agonisingly close. It couldn't have been any closer. Uh, and you'll give us one for next week. We're going to get Terry's thoughts on the season overall. I know he shares it on his uh, on Blue Abroad, but. Uh, You'll be able to hear some of that today and uh, and then some Blues news, which we've had a, a, a pretty big-ish week considering it sort of started slow out of uh, out of the CFC. But there's uh, there's some news filtering through over the past few days that, uh, I don't know, it's getting me a bit – I messaged you yesterday, Tez. I'm starting to get a little bit excited. Yeah, we thought we had Ross Lyon, then it was Buckley, then it's Clarko, uh, tomorrow it's Brad Scott. Uh, who knows? We'll, we'll delve into all of it. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Jules last week did the... And we were like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> He must, have thought, he must have thought we couldn't access our, our music because he tried to create the background music for it via his voice. <laughs> yeah, he's got the kids, the kids got no idea. He's, he's a little bit lost over in Spain. I spoke to him last night and he's, you know, he's traveling okay, but I think he's lost without us, Dan, to be fair. I think he's lost with any purpose up there because it went well, he's got no work. He's just, I think he's just doing paces in his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, first game, Cats Giants. Tez, did you watch this one? I did. I did. I watched it. It was uh, it was what'd great. What do you think? Uh, I was kind of hoping that the Giants would still put up a fight, which look they, they kind of did until you know the fourth quarter. Um, I really did think they had enough midfield power to match it with the Cats going forward. Was always going to be an issue, especially when Jesse Hogan's the laid out. Um, but boys, I backed my first winner this year for first goal scorer. First time. We, we messaged each other after the game. We both realised we did the same thing. Jeremy Cameron. And were you like me when he was running into an open goal and the ball bounced the wrong way and just pulling your hair out like, oh, my God, is this can't be happening. Yeah, that's when you know you've lost it. When something like that happens, you don't get a second chance. But, uh, no, it was good. It was, it was a good game. Tez, probably not the best idea to say that you're nailing winners on a segment where there's Pov Predicts because you might end up taking over my... my- <laughs> My job. <laughs> Tez's tips. It's very I can, easy. I can tell you right now, no one is as bad of a punter than me. <laughs> <laughs> I still keep Pop. trying. <laughs> Pop, what did you think of the game? Oh, I thought, to be honest with you, I think with the outs that um, GWS had, I think Geelong, for me, were always going to win it. I think they had the ascendancy most of the game. Um, for me, why they didn't have Taranto in the midfield throughout the whole game um, was beyond me because when he was, he dominated, especially last last quarter when they had him in there. He had like pretty much every clearance, you know, it makes a massive difference. But I thought Menegola was sensational. I thought he was unbelievable. Mm. You know, I think with just on Tim Tarano, I think they did it, what was it, two or three weeks ago? Was it against the Tigers when he kicked four? Anyway, they were, they were, there was a game in the in the home and away season. They were short uh, one of their tools, and they stuck him in the goal square, and he absolutely dominated. I think with Jesse Hogan laid out, that's probably what they were thinking they could do. But it's finals footy. Like, you need your balls in the middle. Yeah. The other one that really impressed me, no surprise, but 
how good of a player has Zach Tui become? Hmm. I was going to say exactly the same thing. Zach Tui coming into that side made up for what they were lacking the week prior. We could use we could use a Zach Tui right now. How good's Billy Smets going though? By the way, just you know, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you had to mention him. <laughs> oh my god! Why did you say Seriously. that? No, but it's it's true though. Every time I watch the cats and I watch Tui do what he does, it's like this is literally the exact player we need right now, and that we've needed for the last five years, six years. And it's just you pull your hair out thinking, what were we thinking? What were we thinking? Is our like you know replacement for what would have been Tui? Is that Lockie Plowman now, like that guy that takes the small forward and sort of penetrates off the back line? I reckon that's rhetorical. That's how I'm gonna that's how I'm gonna treat it. Um yeah, no, it's uh look, the cats did what they needed to do. I thought GWS early on actually had a bit of a chance to put some put some pressure on. They had a fair bit of the ball, couldn't capitalize going forward, probably due to the lack of structure with Hogan laid out, but um cats just got it done. In the end, they, for me, they're going to get slapped next week against the D's. I can't see it going any other way. I think Melbourne's I absolutely going to dominate these guys. Um, I wasn't overly impressed. I thought it was actually a pretty shitty game, to be honest. I was, I was, it was a bit of a fizzer in the end. But what was not a fizzer was the absolute classic and what I am regarding as probably, if not one of the greatest games of football I've ever seen. The Lions against the Dogs last night and especially that fourth quarter. I, When Zach Bailey, I know we'll probably break down the game a bit more than this, but when Zach Bailey had that little sidestep and kicked the goal, it, it's not even Carlton, but I got off my couch that quickly and I was screaming that much because of what I was seeing and the quality that I was seeing. I almost blacked out. You can ask Gary. I actually 100%. almost passed out. No, not only that. What about when Charlie Cameron was going for it? The last, like, 10 seconds, and it went out for a boundary throw. I was cheering an extra time point more than you'd ever – I wanted it to go into extra time that badly just to make it some form of spectacle, you know? Why, it was why, did, you, game. why did you actually want it to go into extra time, Dan? So my pop predicts can nail. <laughs> <laughs> Tez, what were your thoughts watching this game? Because it was genuinely a blinder. One of the best things uh, yeah, oh, there's a few finals that stick in my memory from recent times. Obviously, the, the Collingwood granny in 2018. But if we're talking about non-grannies, this one's right up there, if not better than the prelim that the Dogs played in against the Giants a few years back. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I mean, I'll start with the Lions. Like, obviously, they go out in straight sets and, and all of that, and they might get criticised. But, mate, they're, they're tough and they're good. Um, and they lost some key players that are really good for them. And... There, there's a certain few players at the Lions who I probably not didn't rate, maybe because I didn't want to rate them and, you know, you know, succumb to them being better than our players. But guys like Oscar McInerney, um, like Jared Lyons obviously goes without saying, but some of these guys, even even young Keaton Coleman, he I didn't like what I saw from him early in the season. Exactly. But ever since the finals has come on, he's tough and he's composed. And uh, look, credit to the Lions, but the dog's too good. But the intensity, boys, that the game was played at for all four quarters was just something to to admire. It was insane, insane to watch. Um, but I like Bailey Smith. 
Wow. Wow. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Icy things. Yeah, that was uh that 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 fourth quarter especially, I don't know what sort of level he decided to go to, but he, he proved that he's uh that he is one of the better young mids in the comp. Sam McClure actually after the game said that Bailey Smith is every bit the player that Sam Walsh is, and I want to get your thoughts on that on that comment because for me I reckon they've gone way too early. He's played one good final, all right, good on the kid, but Walshy literally did it every game this year, like, as a match winner. So I don't know. What are your thoughts there? Different players, in my opinion. Two different players can't compare them. That's what I think. Yeah, I think Sam's an interesting one because only a week ago he was tweeting about journalism and how it's not even about uh, breaking quality news. It's about getting clicks. And then, you know, seven days later, he's, he's posting a tweet. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly the reaction he's going to get. Um, Bailey Smith is a jet. He's a good player. He's a gun. Like, I love Bailey Smith. I love Connor Rosie. Love Sam Walsh as well. I guess we'll just have to wait until Sam Walsh is playing in his first final because it'll be yeah. something else. I'll, I'll, I'll end the debate right now because this is what I've seen. It's, oh, you know, when Isaac Rankin first broke onto the scene and he kicked, you know, three goals in his debut, oh, maybe the Blues should have taken Rankin instead of Walsh. It was the X-Factor pick. Or then it was Connor Rosie and it was, oh, you know, Rosie's the better player. He's he's a match winner. Walsh is not. And then now it's Bailey Smith. Bailey Smith's every bit the player that Sam Walsh is. I don't see, I don't see the media comparing Smith to Rosie or Rosie to Rankin or Rankin to Smith. It all comes back to Walsh. And if you compare it to one player, all it says to me is that Walsh is the pick of the bunch and he's going to stand out it's above the rest, for the rest of his career. Yep, benchmark. Yeah. You know There's what? No I based on consistency, and like you, like you boys mentioned, he's done it week after week after week. And do you know what? Well, they actually had an interview with him uh, midweek, and he was saying like, "Where, where can you possibly take your game? You know what I mean? Where can, well, at this stage of where he's at and what he's done and how he's developed, where, how, how much more can this kid deliver? You know? Do so you want him to kick six and get thirty-three touches? Like." <laughs> Because he probably can, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so. we've said we've said how many times he's going to win eight brown lives by the time he's done. So yeah. yeah, I think the other talking point coming out of the the Bailey Smith situation is: Did you see the the furor on Twitter from people saying, "Oh, he's referencing methamphetamines"? So people, the Australian public, will, I'll call them because they only live in in a bubble that apparently only Australians live in, and apparently nothing else happens outside of Australia. Um, people who have been going at Bailey Smith saying it's not a look good for the not a good look for the game. He's referencing drug taking. Oh, you don't inject vaccines in your in your you know for, lower forearm. You inject it in your you know shoulder area. Do you guys know where this ice in your vein celebration comes from? Yes. So I, I just I found that perplexing. People who obviously yeah. don't get the reference, and D'Angelo Russell even shared the video on his own Instagram. Yeah, for for the for listeners that aren't necessarily NBA fans, uh, it is uh, it is a a taunt or a celebration by uh, he was a Laker at the time by D'Angelo Russell um, hit a clutch three came from there. I, he, he's basically saying he's got ice in his veins. He's cold blooded. He's a killer, and that's all it was. That's all it was. There was nothing more than that. I, from what I understand, uh, there was an interview with Bailey Smith when he was drafted actually, and it was about the fact that he he never drank. And he'd never taken drugs and he'd never like he wasn't that sort of player like and he wasn't that sort of person when he was first drafted now whatever he's done since I, i'm not going to comment on but he looks like 
you know, he, he cops a lot of shit for, for whatever reason, for the way that he looks or his Instagram or whatever it is, but he's a super player. And I'm, I'm sure he's a super, super person just based on some of the interviews that I've seen as well. So I think it's a bit unfair what he cops. Hey, boys, just, um, again, just getting back to the game, what are your thoughts on the umpiring all game? 47 free kicks. I know. Just, do you know what, in a game like that, stay the fuck out of it. They over-umpired, in my opinion. It was it was a disgrace. I hated it. Hated their performance. How's that? I'd be, I'd be, obviously, when we watch finals, we always think about what we would be like in the situation. I, I agree. I don't, I don't know what the, the discrepancy was at the end of the game, but um, there were at least three or four, just in that last five, six minutes, where it's like, this is not the time to be blowing that. Yeah. But they're usually good with that. They, they usually they usually kind of get it by the time the the last six teams are left. They usually do put it away. And I, I'd be hoping that the AFL have a chat and say, all right, listen, um, these, you know, fifth, uh, by the letter of the law, some of them were there, especially if we're in round four, but you get to the semi. Is that maybe a wrong thing to say? Maybe we should be consistent throughout all year. I don't really know, but it did feel over-umpired because the, the game was already giving us what we wanted. Yeah, exactly. Go, Dan. No, no, I, I agree. And I think on the Friday night, it, it was umpired perfectly that game, you know, the way in which they went about it. But the Saturday night, the, the Dogs in Brisbane was, yeah, I just think they they ruined it to an extent. I hope it yeah. opens I hope it opens the discussion for a bigger debate around the rules in this game and how over-regulated it is and how over-regulated it's become. It's become so hard for these guys to adjudicate what is and isn't a free kick. There's more free kicks paid than than what there probably should be. Like you said, Tez, if it's round four, fine, pay it. But for me, that that shouldn't be that, that that actually shouldn't be the answer. It should be we should be treating every game like it's a final one. Let these guys contest. Let them be contested beasts. And if you're going to pay a high free kick, the guy's head should be ripped off. If you're going to pay a, a push in the back, he like the guy should be pile driven into the ground or or absolutely shoved off the ball with a with a, a poor hip and shoulder like. It's just over adjudicated, and it's 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 something that that has been plaguing the league for a while. And I think oh, this might actually just fuel the discussion again. Yeah, I think there's no as many examples, but the one that got me the most last night was the deliberate out of bounds, the one where he yeah. shanked. I can't remember who it was. He just shanked it like he just shanked the kick, and it went out of bounds. And they call it deliberate. Lucky, lucky Neil missed the the goal, but. Especially when you're talking about a one-point game in a semi, you don't you don't want it to be coming back to us talking about a goal goal line review or a or a or, or a shitty deliberate out of bounds call that gives a, a team a goal. Yeah, agree, agree. So now the other one, uh, the other one I was going to say, boys, just quickly is probably the big uh, the biggest talking point after the game was Bond. Do you reckon he's going to be right, or do you boys reckon he might be touch and go because he didn't? He didn't look too well when he was on the bench, on the sidelines, did he? Yeah, I mean, they said they said it was a, a PCL potentially. The way that it looked, it was a, it was a contact sort of injury. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. I, I hope he can get up because you want the best players playing in in a final series. You don't want to see something like that happen to happen to Bont. But you know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's just keep our fingers crossed that he that he gets up. Um, I don't know. What what did you think, Pov? On I, I know you're a PT and you you look at these sort of injuries a little bit closer than what maybe I do. But did you see anything that you might be concerned about? Well, they said that he did the they did their like their tests 
um, just some brief tests um, while he was on the sidelines. And Bont actually said himself that that he passed all those. So I think he'll be good to go. Um, yeah, we'll wait and see. Jason. Yeah, I think he'll play. I think, I mean, he's sore. A lot of guys are sore. The beauty of the dogs is I reckon Josh Dunkley slightly started feeling a little bit more like Josh Dunkley. And if he needs yeah, to play a little right. bit more in the guts, I think the Bont... I mean, he's shown he can go forward and, and rest there a little bit more. And and that's the beauty of what the dogs have done. They've got that versatility and, you know, we cry out about it and we get a little frustrated with it with players playing out of position. But you don't know what's going to happen. Every little moment, a little injury can happen more than what they already are injured. And um, he's a champ, Bond. And I think like he'll play no matter what. Yeah. No, let's hope. Anyway, the game. Magic spray, Magic spray boys. Yeah, <laughs> from Spain. From Space Jam, uh, no, it was it was a it was a cracking game. Oh, it was one I just didn't want to end, um, like you said, Pov, and uh, and it was a, it was a treat on a Saturday night in lockdown. I'll uh, I'll put it that way. Now, Dan, you ready? Let's do it. Pov predicts. Tell, all right, let, you gotta, we're going to start off. You're going to go through. You're going to go through last week's multi. We, you know, you need to, you need to just give a summary of what what it was again, and then you need to let everyone know how how short it actually fell because it makes me laugh a little bit, and I do feel for you, but it made it made me laugh this week how close it actually got. Oh, I'm really, really pissed off about this one. So what I had was I had for the listeners, if you don't remember. I had Geelong 1 to 39. I had um, Jeremy Cameron 2 plus goals. I had Lockie Neal 25 touches and Brisbane 1 to 39. <laughs> Brutal. Mate, by midway through that third quarter, I thought this was home and hose. I was doing laps around my house. I was that G. <laughs> When the dogs started kicking back, I thought, all right, it's going to be between 1 to 39. Brisbane surely hold on here. I was literally, I had my phone up with the bet slip watching the TV and then I could, and then I was literally itching for extra time. I wanted extra time just to see this multi through. I think it would have ended as a draw, so I would have maybe got like half pay half. out. Better yeah, than that. Half pay out. Yeah. Just but race. I've told you all, yeah, Brisbane are pretenders. Bello. You should have listened to me, and I hope I hope you start listening to me because it's something that you don't do too well. So anyway, what's uh, what's next week's multi look like? I think if I had to listen to you, I would have lost all four legs. So <laughs> uh, next week's multi Melbourne twenty five plus over Geelong, over Geelong. Yep. All right. Into Oliver thirty plus. All right. Okay. Into Port, just straight win. I think I can't do a margins on that. Just Port straight win. Why are you laughing, boy? Because the dogs have burned you before, and I just I could just see it happening again. That's all. Anyway, it's a head Port. Yeah, last leg. You know, you know what? Then maybe I'll mix it up. I'll go Port Bulldogs under fifteen and a half either team. I like it. All right. What do you reckon, Tez? Yeah, I like it. I like it. This has got um. Remember when Port played? West Coast a few years back in that final, mm. and, it, and it went to extra time. Mm. Um, I, I think I think the dogs have got their confidence back now. Whether or not they can get the job done against the power, I don't know. But yeah, I think it's going to be just as cracking as as last night. 
Fuck, you look excited about this multi, Terry. Maybe we'll put it on together. We'll do better, I'm, mate. I got good vibes from this one. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this one. I'm, I'm, the guy's had a bad beat. Get around him. Yeah. yeah. All right. What's your last leg, Sean? What's your last, <laughs> last leg? Last leg. Last leg. We're going McRae 30. Yeah, that's a lock. Well, at least Oliver McRae D's. We know it's three out of four will get up. It's just that fourth, that last, that, that 15 and a half. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I hold my reservations until I see it. We'll see. You've fallen short too many times. Uh, one leg's killed me. I might get on this one with you. I'll get on this one with you. We'll get around it. All right. Well, that's the pole predicts. And that's it for Around the Grounds. Now, We've got uh, we've got the great man in. We've got Terry. Oh, you do you do have me here, and Joe has absolutely lost connection. <laughs> He's cut out. That, Who's the dinosaur? From the stream, I have had a mare there. That is the biggest fine known <laughs> to man. If we we're still doing fines, yeah, but we're not. So, <laughs> hey, hey. All right. Well, what do you want? To, what are you going to find me? Come on. Now, nah, you're for our end of season. Remember how we spoke about an end of season, like dinner night out? Yeah. Fully funded by Joseph Adamo. Not happening. Anyway, I'm back in the stream. We're good now. As I was saying, we've got Terry. We've got Terry in today. We're going to start our blue segment uh, with Terry's thoughts on the season. Tez, in it, just, you know, a little monologue. Overall, Take us through your thoughts on the season, start to finish. That doesn't have to be round by round, obviously, but, you know, what What, what did you think? Uh, I think I know. Uh, I think we all know where, where you're going to go, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's so good to have had some time to breathe and sleep and think about it. Um, obviously, we go into the year full of excitement like every other year, except this one. I know we always say this year's different, but this year was different because we had felt like, we had done the the hard yards with the rebuild and, you know, these boys had finally filled out their bodies and become capable of playing four quarters and whatnot. And obviously when you start, when you start getting experienced players like Saad and Williams, you start thinking, well, obviously we're naturally just going to take that next step. And seven wins last year from 17. I don't know what you guys, I was hoping for like 10, 11, 12 wins this year. And I think 11 wins got you in the finals and, Pretty quickly, let's be honest, pretty quickly we started realising that it just wasn't going to be the year we, we were hoping for. But there was still hope. And, and the competition even itself out for everyone to, to make a play. And I don't know, like, does the external review have to come to play here? Because, I mean, we announced it early. That happened. A lot of drama, a lot of inconsistency, um, a lot of disappointment, probably more so from the senior players than anyone else. And the funny part about it is the young brigade, we got everything we wanted from the young brigade and, and maybe even more. When you, I mean, I think this year overall, when I look at it, I think to myself, we've officially really quickly almost gone away from the Cripsy's Carlton mentality and we actually have a core group of guns. I mean, two All-Australians, Jacob was stiff. Um, we're in good stead. And if you're looking at it from the lens of forget about the 26-year um, drought. forget about the pain that we've suffered. If you're a neutral, you start watching footy for the first time and you see this Carlton team, you start thinking, wow, they're set up for the future so well. But I think because we've got so much pain from the past, it's unfair to be putting it on the youngsters. But 
we're in good stead. We really are in good stead. We've got a core, we've got a, a foundation set there. And I don't know, you just you just hope that they don't fall through that perpetual cycle of the losing getting to them and, and then just losing their spirit. But it was disappointing. It was. Yeah. I mean you don't want you don't want those guys to fall into the same trap that Cripps has had in his career. You know, sub twenty seven percent win record, it's well publicized and you know, the player he could have been in a more winning side, who knows? Uh, but you spoke about eleven wins got you into finals. Collingwood, round two, Gold Coast, North, there's your three. And it shits me even more so knowing that if we had won those three games and maybe taken another scalp, that Essendon wouldn't have been playing finals and they were touted for bottom four. They came out, young side, um, you know, not necessarily from a winning culture and they proved everyone wrong, something that we couldn't do. And it makes me very upset considering they are genuine scum and I cannot – if there was one side that you had have said, who don't you want to make the eight, it was Essendon. And as a Carlton fan, to see them do what they did this year – it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I think, yeah. you hit the nail, I think you hit the nail on the head, Tez, where it's our, it's years of, of heartache that has made us look at this year as a really, like, it still was, like, disappointing. But I think because of what we've been through, it's even worse. And then, like I said, it's, it's hard for the playing group as well because there's now an even greater expectation on them to deliver next year. Um you know, and they are hitting their straps. You can see they are they are getting to the point where they are ready. Um, I think the list is great, um, but there's big expectation, and whether they can cope with that being such a young group is going to be a different story. Yeah, we're going we're going to talk about um, the coaching saga of this week in a bit more depth. But Tez, you've you've gone on the record a couple of times saying that the 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 job was too big fatigue, and it was too big to begin with, and maybe we got it wrong from the start. Do you want to just expand on that a little bit? Do you think that, especially with Sayers coming out with the, with finals expectations in 2022 now, was the job too big fatigue to begin with? Did we just get it wrong from the start and that's what we saw this year was just that all of that unfolding? I think so. I think the, high, the, the firing of Teague was terrible and obviously the way it played out, but the hiring of Teague was ultimately the wrong move and you just break it down from the language that we were told and what we all felt at the time. We need an experienced coach to take this group forward. Bolton, we went with a, a new method, a new theory, um, a new way of, of thinking and, and, and rebuilding. And look, Bolton was fine for what he did and where the group was at. I understand that and I take that. Um, but when they say we need a coach with experience and then get a guy who's never coached in the AFL, like, what do you expect? Um, you combine that with the fact that, yes, they didn't put the assistance around him at the time, at the end of 19, um, you, you can argue that as well. But, yeah, there's a big expectation and pressure that comes with coaching the Carlton Football Club. And it's not personal. It's just – it's it's cutthroat. Welcome to the real world. Don't you think – do you think it was a bit stiff on Teague, though, at the stage in which he did come on board, Tez? If he had to come on board a year or two in that rebuild, would we, would we look at Teague and what he's done and what he brings differently? No, because I think ultimately we were shown that tactically he was he's I just don't know if he's good enough as a coach. Um or or more more so as a as a manager of people and a motivator and as a coach, you probably one of your key responsibilities is how do you empower a group to believe in something and buy into a role? And he really wasn't able to do that. No. Yeah, a, I mean it's a fair take. It's a fair take. And then you're right, we did see it, we saw it unfold you know bit by bit and 
at the end of the day, the external review, as much as they initially said it wasn't going to be about the head coach, it was always going to be about the head coach. He's always in the firing line when the football department is in the firing line overall. So um, let's just hope this time we can get it right, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But before we do, Tez, player call-outs, positives and negatives, the, the big ones for you this year? Yeah, the positives, um, I think guys that came in and didn't, didn't get dropped, guys like Liam Stocker, I think we – I mean, everyone at the start of the season, it's like, where is he at? Is he okay? We don't know what happened last year. He obviously left the hub, came home for personal reasons. We now know what happened. But at the start of the year, we didn't know where he was at in the team. Um, I think that's a big positive. Matt Owies, Josh Honey. I think getting a month of football into Charlie Curnow has to be a positive for us. Um, I mentioned the young guys before, the All-Australian squad and, and, and team players that made it. Um, really, like I said before, it's the young guys. I, I thought our young guys showed what they needed to show. And then I guess by by contrast, the, the senior guys and the guys with, uh, you know, a bigger paycheck and more expectation in leadership roles are probably the ones that disappointed us the most. And, uh, I mean, especially the recruits, right? Like we spoke about it last week, of, but... I mean, I thought I, I I think Adam Saad actually had a, a pretty good year. I think he'll be top ten now. BNF, to be honest, I'll, I'll say that now. Um, but you know, Zach Williams just as disappointing as it gets, unfortunately. And I hope he can come back next year and, and have a much bigger impact, whether it be off a halfback or if he can transform himself into a midfielder. I don't know. Whatever we saw this year just can't happen again. Yeah, I, I agree with you. With look, having said that, Saad he was solid. I've actually got him finishing fifth in the BNF. Um, I think because he played every game, it helps his cause too. So, you know, part of being great is being available, I always say. And um, look, we would have loved him to become a superstar, but there wasn't really an expectation on him being a superstar in the team. We kind of knew that he was just filling in that Kate Simpson void, you know? Yeah. Pov? Yeah, oh, you, know my, you know my opinions. If you had yeah. a listen to the podcast last week, you know my opinion on, on Sardin Williams. Um, we expected more. We expected more from them. I think our young players stepped up sensationally this year, um, you know, um, and again, that's going to put us in good stead in future years. Yeah. On, on Stocker, can, can we touch on him? Because I just want to read you something. This kid is, like we spoke about Weeders, future captain, Stocker, he's got it, all right? But also he genuinely loves his teammates, the club, all right? Listen to this. I love being part of that back seven. I'd run through a brick wall happily for any of those guys. If that doesn't give you goosebumps down the back of your neck, I don't know what does. Seriously, this kid is what we need. That mentality is what we need running through the whole playing group, that you'll die for your teammate. That's what Brisbane have. That's what the dogs have. That's what we saw on Saturday night. That's what he has. He's got that. He's got that hunger, you know? He's, he's a different breed, I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Go, Tess. Sorry. He, he, he's, he had quite a few impactful quotes in that interview we did. Um, the back seven and running through a brick wall for his teammates was obviously a big one. I also loved where he spoke about how he's found his calling in life. Like his calling in life is to be a Carlton footballer and like that gives you tingles. And uh, some people might say it's cliche, these phrases and these words. Well, yeah, it is cliche because winning is cliche. It's doing right. the cliche things repetitively, you know? And I, I just, yeah, he's a big story for us this year. 
I want well, to... Go, go, No, go, go. go. I want to say... <laughs> We're being nice to each other. Um, go, go. He, he, he also said that Weeders and Jones were a big part of him and his mentality and coming back to to all the performances that we saw anyway. So shows you the type of leader Weeders is, hey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is what I wanted to touch on and then the comeback story of Liam Stocker this year because you did mention him as a positive, Tez, in in your overview there. But, I mean, if you haven't seen that interview on on the Carlton website with Liam Stocker and, and, you know, what he battled through last year and where he came to this year and how close it was to sort of ending and, uh, and and the player that we saw at the end of this season, you know, it's uh, it, it's phenomenal. I'm I'm a massive fan of the kid. I know you are, Tez. You've said he's your new Murphy. Um, you're going to jump right on board with this kid. And you've you said for to, to your credit, you've said from the start that he's future captain material. And I'm I'm on board with that. I can see, I I see leadership skills in this kid, and he is still a kid. What is he? 20, 21, same age as Walshy, right? Like I see leadership skills in him. And from what I saw on the park this year, and then obviously off field, knowing knowing what he's come through at such a young age, that he's going to be he's going to be, dare I say it, a Luke Hodge type for us for for years. Just a, a phenomenal leader on the park. But boys, it's players that'll bleed for the jumper. It's that that aren't coming here for a paycheck. They will genuinely love the club, as you said, Tez, and that will bleed for their teammate and the jumper. That's that's what you want. That's the mentality that we need to sink through this whole group. I think another thing that gets sometimes missed with those players, like Jack Silvani, I think is one of them. It's infectious. And uh, you can love him or hate him. I sometimes have a crack at Lockie Plowman's performances, but there were times this year where Stocker next to Plowman made Plowman a little bit more tougher because you see this 20, 21-year-old kid putting his body, like that hit he took from Jake Stringer, put his body in the hole against Fremantle. Like those things rub off on your teammates. And when you've got a young kid doing it, as an older player or a more experienced player, I can only imagine, because I don't know what it's like to play at the level, but I can only imagine it sort of makes you think to yourself, well, shit, like I need to do the same thing now. Yep, spot on. Spot on. Um, to round you out, Tez, and, and your season season review, favourite moment this year? And when I say moment, it could, be a ga- it could be a full game. It could be literally just a snippet. It could be whatever, on-field, off-field. Favourite moment, there's plenty obviously, but uh, it was the third quarter. Uh, Matt always kicks a goal against the Bombers, gives Redman a bit of a bump, and then they start a bit of a fight at the MCG on a fucking afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm slapping the chest, I'm fucking up and about. (laughs) The sun was shining, the sun was shining, there was 65,000 plus, it felt like it was just footy was back in full swing and it was like, here we go, like this is unreal. I agree, that that game there for me is still highlight of the year for me. Uh, I, and I, that 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 uh, that little scuffle reminded me of the days of old with uh, the rivalry with uh, that club. We're going to finish off on a bad note because that's what this club does to us. Worst moment of the year. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very clear. So we've all got our breaking point. Uh, I'm sure we all have our tolerance levels for for whatnot. Um, Joe, you're really good at it, by the way. Your tolerance levels are. I'm going to take my hat off to you. You are phenomenal. Um, my breaking point and my worst moment and my lowest ebb was the GWS game away. It was my first interstate trip in ever, like ever since 2014 and sitting in the cold, no players laid a tackle, sorry, 12 players didn't lay a tackle for the first half. They didn't want to be there. And I don't, 
I don't like yell at players usually, but like after the game, I was compelled. I had to tell them that wasn't good enough. And I, and I did. <laughs> Couldn't do it. There, there was a video that surfaced, Dan, uh, in the days after that of just a random fan at the tunnel filming the team. And you can hear in the background just some absolute fucking nut going off his head. And, and it was Tess. <laughs> to his credit, he gave him one of the biggest sprays I've ever heard from a, from a supporter. Love to it, be Tess. fair, I just said it's not good enough three times. And then I said it was garbage. And I ask anyone who disagrees with me to please provide the case as to why it wasn't garbage and how it was good enough. I believe you. I know. I know, Tess. It was. It, it was garbage. Didn't we come out the week after and, and win, Tess? I think so. <laughs> yeah, so, hey, take the credit. <laughs> I'd be taking the credit. <laughs> no, that's it. That's a good That's a good season wrap. And uh, for anyone, well, I mean, obviously most of our listeners, if not all, are Blue Abroad listeners and viewers anyway. But if you haven't checked out Terry's season recap on the Blue Abroad channel, make sure you do. Uh, and there's player reviews coming out as we speak as well, Terry's each day. Is that right? Yeah, each day. You've got young Ari Stamatakos who's got a – uh, an article for each player that he's written. So we did it last year as well. Um, and also I've got the the gentleman that has the YouTube channel, Carlton Blues fans. He's putting together season highlights of every player. Like, I don't know if you guys or your know. listeners are aware, we have someone who literally every single game goes through every single player that played, cuts every moment that they have a possession and puts them in a package. It's honestly, I get goosebumps. Like it's so valuable for the club and, you know, in decades to come when we want to look back at each player and their development. Um, so I want to give a special shout-out to him. I don't know his name. I just know that he has the account. So, um, yeah, Ari's got the written piece. He's got the the highlights packages, and I've got, obviously, my um, review for each player. So, yeah, get involved. Have a bit of your have a bit of a say. You know how I do my videos. I usually start the conversation, and you guys finish it in the comments. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's all coming out every day. Heaps of content. Heaps. Pov. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna go into blues news here, uh, and we've got two, two sort of segments today that we're gonna touch on. We're gonna start with the early trade whispers, like we did last week. Yeah, we had two players come up in conversation this week. One we, last week we spoke about Adam Chera and Luke Dunstan. This week it is George Hewitt from the Sydney Swans and Patrick Lipinski from the Bulldogs, oh, who has three players. three players. Who's the third? Luke Parker. Well, yes, we will talk a little bit about Luke Parker. Um, but George Hewitt, to begin with, uh, he he's a free agent, uh, I believe, restricted free agent. Um, sounds like we're in the box seat. He's a midfielder from the Swans, 25 years old, really starting to hit his straps. Do you reckon he he's the, the type of player we need in that midfield to really bolster, bolster the list? Well, boys, I think he really come of age this year. Um, I think he had a phenomenal second half of the season in particular, um, especially when Mills got injured. He really came into his own and started to dominate um, that, that and, and own that position. Uh, for me, like, again, there's a names like Chera, Dunstan thrown around. Because of his age, complementing the group, I think he'd fit nicely. I just don't know. It's, I, I'd want to have one or two of Chera, Hewitt, Dunstan. Like, you're not going to have all three realistically um you know if we don't if we don't get chera hewitt can fit that role like so it's good to have those options that there are those three players circulating i think it's like i said for his age um like like chera i think they're more appealing you know um is he proven don't know yet 
But like I said, he's shown he can get he can get his own footy, good ball user, um, and he can impose himself in that midfield. So yeah, yeah, he's, he's content, the contested side of his game is uh, is something that I think we lack, uh, and would definitely help out having that presence there. Um, the other one that Dan just touched on, who we haven't been linked to, which I'm very surprised at to this point because he fits the exact mould of what we need in terms of leadership, in terms of goal-kicking mid. This guy is a top three goal-kicking mid since 2018 behind Dangerfield and uh, Bontempelli. He's the, he's the third best goal-kicking mid in the comp. Luke Parker, Tez, 29 years old, uh, an absolute leader at the Swans. I don't know. Uh, for me, I don't care about his age bracket, to be honest. I don't care if he's about to hit 30. I'd throw a four-year deal, $700,000 a year at someone like Luke Parker at a minimum. Just knowing what he'd bring to a group that uh, that's developing in that midfield and, and what that would bring going forward. What are your thoughts? Well, for me, I think you're spot on. Uh, for me, this is the kind of player that you give a $700,000 plus 100%. per year because he's done it. In finals, across seasons, he's a BNF winner. Pretty sure he is. Um, he's an All-Australian as well, I'm pretty sure. Um, and he's proven it. And, you know, um, the leadership qualities, you, you've absolutely nailed it. I, I, I'm with you. I hope we at least pick up the phone and have the conversation. But I've got a feeling that North Melbourne will be on that phone before us. Oh, I was going to say exactly the same thing, Tez. I think North will be snapping at his heels um, pretty quickly. <laughs> Yeah, I agree, especially that they missed out on Kelly, who was uh, heavily linked there. But this is, you know, this is crunch time for us. If we're if we're going to build for finals, we need those sorts of players. I've mentioned someone like Shannon Hearn might be useful for us for a couple of years, just for a bit of leadership down back, some structures and whatnot, even if he only plays 14 games a year. You know, he's, like you said, Ted, he's done it. He's a premiership captain. He's played in finals. He's He knows how to get, he knows how to get the most out of, a team as as a leader. So I, I do feel like, you know, Mike after Chera, Mike after Hewitt, Mike after someone like Peter Laddams or even Lipinski, who we'll talk about now. But we need to pick up someone of that mould in this trade period. We really do. We need to go after someone that can bring some leadership for this group. Well, I said it to you though, Joe, that he's actually probably playing his best football now. He's Parker. always been I've been the biggest fan of Luke Parker, but I think now with your Kennedy moving on. There's players in that in that Swans team that have moved on. I think now he's that man, yeah, in their side. And um, I, I the football he's been playing, and like you said, he adds he's he's kicked goals. Midfield of the kick goals is invaluable. Yeah, can't put a price on that. Um, the last one, Patrick Lipinski from the Dogs. He's a little bit uh, not an I wouldn't say an unknown. I think we've seen enough of him to know what he brings, but he's sort of. He's, he's, he's not really a player that, for me personally, I, I don't know why we're linked to him. I don't know why we're going after a player of this sort. He kind of, at the Dogs, played like a high half-forward role, hit the scoreboard, ran through the middle. It's pretty much like a Lockie Fogarty for me. Like, we've got so many of that player already. I, I don't know about your thoughts, boys, but uh, for me, I, I don't need to see someone like this on our list. See, I don't mind him. I, I look at him more like a a better version of what Jack Nudes can give us. Um, I'm a big fan. It's just, like, you just can't crack into that midfield. Like, it's just really difficult. And he's proven that he can play behind the ball and ahead of the ball at the Dogs. And he's got some craftiness about him. But ultimately, you know, it depends what you're paying him. Like, if it's a money ball type situation, I don't know. Would you guys be happy if we ended up getting a Hewitt and a Lipinski out of this trade period and keeping six and going to the draft with it? 
depends on the contract, right? Like if you're yeah, paying them, well. if you're paying them a combined, I don't know, one mil, one point one mil combined, okay. Like that's that's fine as long as as long as they're going to push for our best twenty two each week and they're going to show intent and they're going to bring some fight and and you're paying them to play through the midfield because they are midfielders. Fine, but if you're paying each of them seven hundred k, fuck me. Well, like, no. what are we doing? What are we my doing? Worries, my worry is that with a Lipinski, is he going to offer as much as it, like what we need from him? Whereas I think a Parker, you know, he is. You know, is Lipinski proven? You know. That's where I think you get a discount on his contract because he's really yeah. just moving now because he just he, he can't get a game at the doggies, yeah. um, which is where a club will take advantage of. And I don't know what he would command on the open market, but I wouldn't imagine it being more than five hundred a year. Surely, couldn't be. No, no chance. Yeah, no chance. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how those ones <laughs> pan out. Yeah, Puff. Why there isn't any ruck talk at the moment is still beyond me because, like I said, that is the position. I said it last week. I'll say it every week until we nail one. That is the position for me that needs to be filled. We it's need to get I don't give a it's fuck. A, it's, something we, it's something we spoke about in episode one when you brought up Tom DeConning as the ruck for, for this year and, and the future. We're too thin, too thin. And I think next week we're going to talk about Peter Laddams, Dan, because he's one for me that if we're not, if we're not pursuing heavily – uh, as, a, as that second ruck at Port that we could potentially turn into our first ruck and have DeConning floating, you know, uh, I don't know what our recruiting department's doing because that is a gaping hole, gaping hole on our list. You can't play finals without a serious ruck threat. That's that's how I that's how I see it. Agree. Agree. All right. To finish off, the biggest news of the week, the coaching saga continues. The external review is done. That we had the press conference <laughs> a week and a half ago now. All the ins and outs in the football department and on the board. It was heavily, well, you know, Ross Lyon was heavily linked to us for so long. Sayers came out and said it himself. He's had chats with Ross, this and that. It just looked like it was going to be Ross the boss and that was going to be it. We'd have a press conference imminent. And then all of a sudden, Ross pulls out formally. Tez, thoughts? How, how did you react to that, that news? My first reaction was I was devastated because I was pretty sure, like, in my mind, you don't sack Teague unless you're going to go get Ross or Clarko. Otherwise, you just reinvest in Teague. That's that's the way. That's the read that I have on the situation, and I have no information, no inside sources, nothing like that. But that was just my read on the situation. You either spend in the you spend more to put the better assistance around Teague, or you get Clarko or Ross. Clarko says he's out. Okay, it must be Ross. Ross apparently says he's out. I was a little frustrated at, at, at the beginning and a little bit of panic. Um, Joe, you've put this idea in my head that Buckley could be a chance and I'm, I'm really starting to worry about it. But what I've been able to do over the last few days is just take a step back. And none of these coaches that say they're out are really out the way I see it. Let's just, I think it's more so just stop the, the media scrutiny because I feel like the media are trying to set the agenda of when the coach will be announced. And for the first time in however long, we are leaving no stone unturned and actually going through the process and not taking a shortcut. And maybe that's just me trying to stay positive so I don't lose my, my mind, but um, I'm okay with where we're at. And if it takes a little bit more time to get the right uh, coach and coaching panel on, then so be it. Yeah, that's exactly the how you finished that, Tez, was how I viewed it when all this um, unfolded because I just thought, you know what? Take your time. Take your time. Get the right person in. 
If it's not Ross Lyon, it's not Ross Lyon. But whoever you do bring in, make sure they're going to get results. Brad Scott's name's been thrown around there. Uh, was it Matthew Knights? Was that has that been mentioned as well um, in the in the rumor mill? <laughs> let's let's hope not. Seriously, I, I mean, this is this is this is a question I was going to ask. Are you, are you both satisfied with how this has played out from the club? I know the media scrutiny's come on the club to go. You know, there's no transparency. What are they doing? It's a shit show. It's a bloody circus for me. Uh, you know, if I look at it, I just feel like Says is getting, getting it all back on our terms. I actually like it. I like the fact that we're going through a process. I like the fact that, yeah, okay, we've reached out to Ross. That's fine. Um, but, Ross, you're still going to have to go through a, a coaching process, mate, because we need to do this oh. properly this time. You're in the box seat, but by, by, by all intents and purposes, we want you to go through this process like anyone else to make sure that we have got the right guy. Yep. And I love the fact that we've got David Parkin on the committee. Yeah. Someone that's been... What, what what he's done for the club sensational, but I love that. I love that he's there. He's making decisions. Of, um, and again, I said to you, take take time, do your research, make sure it's the right person. Uh, so and then again, to I think it's the way to go, and hopefully they make the right decision. Yeah, I think more so than the coach. If I mean, it's all speculation, but the talks around Brian Cook, if we can land that, yeah, different. Mate. Mate, that's you know what? That's probably the biggest bit of news actually in in the past week. Nutshell, boys. Yeah, there's there's talk that once Geelong is sort of out of the fight, it's basically a formality at this point. Once Geelong are done, he'll sign. We'll get get our new CEO. Who it, uh, you said it to me during the week, Tez. That is that is a bigger appointment than whatever head coach comes in because Brian Cook and Dan, you you spoke about this too. What he's done at Geelong, especially, is is he brings he just brings winning he brings winning he wherever he goes he was there for three years he brought success instantly the guy knows yeah. and and literally knows how to win and knows how to get the best culture I, i'm gonna say you know what he brings he brings a winning culture and mentality that we've been looking for I, I, you know what tez you're right that's probably a bigger appointment than the head coach yeah i i've had the, the um the privilege of meeting brian a couple of times so one of his best mates from uni connected me with him and he was sort of like a, I used to meet him once a year, go, go to Geelong, go for a coffee and talk to him about what's going on in my world. What strikes me about him more than anyone I've seen in this industry. And we'll look at the little optic of last week that no one would have seen it, but I picked up on it very like, like straight away. So Geelong were training and Brian Cook was walking across the ground in a hoodie, street clothes. And that's Brian Cook. He, he He's a CEO, he's an executive, but he can level with you. He can come down and talk to people on a normal level. And I was just thinking, you ever seen Kane Little in anything but a suit, ever? It's a little thing, but it's a, it's a big thing, you yeah, know? And, and Bri Brian's ability to connect with a, a human being and being a football person and a successful football person and, and all of that, oh, it'd be huge for us. Yeah, anyone that that's... Just quickly on that note, Tez, though, I wouldn't want to see Kane Little in like his pajamas or something. I mean, <laughs> anyone that says that your board of directors or your head of football has no uh, impact on your on field performance is dead wrong. I'm sorry, I'm not in that camp. It's, a, it's, it's an organization these days in sport, across any sport, you are an organization, and every level of that organization has to be humming, and you have to have the, the right person for, in every single position for the timing. And Brian Cook right now, based on the fact that we need to build a winning culture, is as good an appointment as anyone I can think of into, into our football club. Um, back to the head coach just quickly. 
there's talk and they're just rumors. You can see you smiling, Tess. Don't do there's it. Talk, there's talk that we're still in the hunt massively for Clarko and that we're throwing the kitchen sink at him to, to come sit and chat with us about a head coach position. What? Are, give me a percentage chance, both of you, in terms of what you think that actually is at the moment. 15, 10. <laughs> a percentage that he would become the coach? Yep. Yeah, I'd probably say 10. I, I, I'm still in this idea of is he 100% desperate for a flag in the same way that Ross Lyon is? That's That's always been the thought. That's always been the thought with me because – he can fail at Carlton. It won't matter. He's still the great, the greatest coach, um, you know. And maybe we need someone that's got a little bit of that that fear of failure. Of oh, I've never done it before, and um, I know Ross needs to go through a process. And you know, if he's if he's denied that, I don't really know what's happened. And I do agree. If he's not willing to go through, if anyone's not willing to go through a, a Carlton process, then they're not the person for the job. But it, it's so hard. It's so hard. I wanted to throw a name to you boys. Other than Clark, I wanted to throw Brad Scott. Brad Scott or Chris Scott? Chris. The Geelong coach or the, or the ex-North Melbourne coach? Who are you talking about? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm hearing Chris Scott's in the frame as well. Like, this, is, this is what I'm saying. Like, there's both Scott brothers apparently in the frame. But if we're talking Brad, I like him. I like him. I mean, fit more, a 50-plus percent win record with it and took a team to two prelims that if you really go back and look at the list, who did they have? Like, Drew Petrie was their, was their key forward, and this is no no um, disrespect to Drew Petrie, but, you know, he wasn't he wasn't the most dominant key forward that we've seen in, in the past 10, 15 years. But Brad's got, got the most out of him, just like he got the most out of every player on that list to get them to two preliminary finals. And if you look at our list everyone's saying it, it's better than what Brad Scott would have had uh, at North at any point. Tez, the reason why I say it, I brought him up, like I said, I was going to bring him up anyway, but I think he's that coach that's itching, itching for a premiership. And that's why I actually wouldn't mind seeing him, to be honest. I think we should be going heavily for him. Yeah, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed. He ticks the boxes for me. Um, I think, I'm not sure if it was in a segment of the Book of Judge. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Someone on Twitter Put the the chapter in, and I quoted you guys. Make sure you got your your kudos there. But oh, there you go. This passage was about players who had played before, and how not, like just instinctively, if you're coached by someone that's done it before, there is a just a different level of respect to someone who hasn't. And Brad Scott's done it. He's got his mate Luke Power there as well. Um, I'm sure he's got some good pull in the AFL too. So he's on a good uh, working relationship with the powers that be. I'm not opposed. But geez, you know, getting rid of Teague to go for Scott is—it's look, anyone's going to be scrutinised. Doesn't matter what, we're all desperate. So, uh, as long as the process is done properly and they get the right person, then we just sit here as fans and we hope for the best. Spot on, spot on, and and I'm 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 firmly in that camp after this week. Um, you know. Talk to Kingsley, talk to Adam Uze, talk to Blake Carousella, talk to absolutely Michael Voss, speak to everyone, everyone that is willing to talk to us to become a head coach, speak to them all, put them through the process. You might find a gem like Collingwood have with Craig McRae. As much as it pains me to say, that guy looks like he's going to get them absolutely nailed. Yeah. Um, 
you know, just because it's the best name on the market doesn't mean that they're the best fit for your club. And that's, I think that's spot on. So, boys, that's it. How's that? That flew. That flew. Amazing. Genuinely flew. Oh my God, I actually double, I had to double head check. I, I couldn't believe that it was, it was already done. I know, you look shocked. You genuinely look shocked. That flew. <laughs> that's a sign that you're having fun. Yes, yeah. Tez, and it's always it's always a good time when we got Tez on. Tez, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. You weren't you weren't the last resort. I can promise you that. You were first cap off the rank. Uh, thank you, mate. Enjoy the off season. Uh, good luck next year with Blue Abroad. We're going to be a part of it, um, and I, I can't wait. But you know, onwards and upwards, and hopefully the success that we've seen here with the podcast and with Blue Abroad, hopefully that translates on field to these boys because uh, we are desperate for success at this point. Yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. Thanks again, Tess. Well said. well said. No worries, boys. Appreciate you having me on. Pov, I'll see you next week, man. I'll see you soon, man. <laughs> Up the baggers. Up Done. the baggers.